morning, everybody. Um, this is amazing to be able to spend this time with you again. Uh, it feels a little bit unusual that I can't see your amazing faces, but at the same time, I know that God's word is just as powerful through this as it would be if we saw each other. So I just pray that you really, really dig into the word today, really understand it, enjoy it. Uh, and if you take the opportunity to have your Bible near you, you can read along with this verse uh, with me as well, because I think uh, I think in that way, God can speak amazing things to you. So let's get stuck in, because there's loads to look at. So uh, today we're looking at John chapter 14, verse 6. Um, this is a memory verse for me when I was a kid. I can remember being maybe five or six years old, um, and this, this memory verse was something that I learned with my mom and dad, and I remember that uh, really, really well. But um, I think only in the most recent years that I've actually really to un been able to unpack this in my mind, to actually spend time with God and actually meditate on what this means uh, and how it actually impacts me. And I've learned a lot from it. So I just pray this morning these words um, are helpful to you. I also pray that I um, that maybe God reveals something to you that you didn't know about it before um, and that he can enlighten you on some stuff that I would love you to share with me at another date. Um, many heads always better in these situations, right? Um, so yeah, without further ado, John 14 verse 6 it says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now that's what I, I learned. That's word for word what I learned. But before we go any further, I have a confession. It's quite a big confession. I have an absolute obsession with power tools. Terrifying one. I love all shapes and sizes of them. I can't help myself. I go inside one of these hardware stores. I see a different tool there that I've never owned before. And I'm like, I have to have that. It's got to be useful for something. It says it's essential. I need it in my life. I need that tool. So what I do is I'll go and buy it. Now, it doesn't just stop at power tools. I have the same struggles when it comes to normal tools, hand tools. They are something, I don't know if it's the shiny, shiny. I don't know what it is about them, but I'm just like, oh, I've got to have that. And they're brilliant. But you see, the thing is, I've got loads of them and I reckon probably 60% of them I've never used. And I think probably of that 60%, 30% of those, I don't know how to use. Maybe it's going to be a challenge for the future for me, but I know that I definitely got sucked into the into into what the the companies are selling me about the importance of them and how much I need them in my day to day life. I see so much of today, life just fills us with these these wants. I don't know how many of them are actually needs. We just want to accumulate these things. See, everything is sold as an essential item. It's a must have. But actually, when I look in my garage, the amount of zero-hour use, essential, must-have items I have really shows me that they were never really a need. They've always been a want. So my question to you is this. What is essential to us? What is essential to our walk with God? See, let's read the verse again, but this time around, I'm not going to read my memory verse. I'm going to read it as it's written in the Bible. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let me read that again. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Wow. The two words at the start totally went by me for years. Jesus answered. Now, 
where have you seen it before? Where have you seen this verse? For, for me, it was a memory verse. For you, it might have been a memory verse. It might have been something you've just read in your own time. It could also be a, something you've seen on a tea towel or something you've seen on a mug because it's such a famous verse. But actually, guys, what I love about this is that it, if you break it down, it becomes the fundamental values of what we understand and we believe. It's the single key to our salvation. If you want to look at it this way, it's our essential good news. So I've got four points today that I would love to share with you. They will be quick. We're going to fly through them. But if you want to unpack these on your own, I think you're going to get so much from them. Let's get cracking. Let's get, get into this. So number one, I want to pick up on those first two words. Jesus answered. See, this verse is a direct response to a question from Jesus' friend. You see, Thomas was in so much need of an answer. He needed something from Jesus. And Jesus answered. See, G Thomas was anxious because he was worried that Jesus was going away and he didn't know where he was going. And how was he going to be able to follow him if he couldn't see him? You see, Jesus never at any point leaves Thomas wondering. He answers straight away. And by doing this, he gave hope. He gave comfort. That's the power of an answer. See, in times like this, we can feel pretty full of questions. I know I am. Sometimes lost in the whys and the hows of our situation. But what I really want you to do today, guys, is I want you to take comfort. Take hope. Let's have a look at Matthew 7, verse 8. Matthew 7, verse 8. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Just read that again. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. These are certain words, and that's what I love about this part of the passage. Not might be received, not might be found, and could maybe be opened, they're all will statements. It will be received, will be found, and the door will be opened. You see, the certainty in this is our hope and comfort. See, we're often seeking for hope. We're often seeking for comfort in the questions that we ask God. And the delight in these verses is telling us that if we ask them, they're going to be answered and the door will be opened to us. What an amazing, amazing verse to read. So really, my point is this. Get started. Get praying. Because God is waiting for you to start doing that. God is waiting for you to ask the big questions. By asking these massive questions, we can learn and do so much. Because actually, God is waiting for us to do that. He's waiting for us to knock so he can just give us the answers that we're looking for. My point number two, Jesus is the way. It's important to remember geographically at this time, they were in Judea. Judea was predominantly Jewish. So they were led by Pharisees. They were led by Jewish teaching. These people were often book smart. They were well read. They were good teachers and they were excellent at being able to debate. The Sanhedrin spent much of their day debating over things. They, they, they were proud about how, how able they were to be able to hold a debate. They believed that following the law 
and knowing the law inside out made them holy. You see, when Jesus said, I am the way, he was telling his disciples to remember that actually the way was him. The way was fundamentally all about him, that they should look to him, not their own understanding, not law, not religion, but Jesus. He was the Messiah. See, Proverbs 3 Five and six say this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Submit to him and he will make your path straight. Let me read that again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. You see, he was remembering the fact of exactly those words. It's so important from Proverbs there. That actually the key aspect of understanding the, the whole meaning behind what Jesus is saying here is he says, stop thinking about law. Try to make sure you, the people you're speaking to are recognizing that it's all been me all along. It's always been me. We must have faith. We must have faith that he's leading in through our lives. Now, it's the same for the disciples then as it is for us right now. We have to have faith that he's doing that. There is never a situation that he leads us into that we can't handle with his help. See, remember, back to the very start of the verse, Jesus answered. But you see, for this to work properly, we need to be able to submit. We need to be able to submit to his way. When we pray for things, I don't know about you, but I know I have so many times prayed for things that I believe is the right thing. And therefore, I feel that my prayer is valid. Now, although Jesus is always calling us to speak to him, how often, how often are we actually ready to hear what he has to say? How often we want to actually follow the path that he has for us? I'm the worst in a car. As soon as the GPS goes on, I'm like, yeah, come on. That's not the route. Check out this junction. I know the way. If we go this way, we're going to cut through that traffic. Have I ever been right? No. Never. Never once. I've always been beaten by the GPS. But yeah, I still always type in the code of saying, well, this is the address I want to go to. And then I argue with it. And I spend the whole journey hearing, please make a U-turn, turn around at the next op available opportunity, all of the rest of this stuff, because actually, although I've asked the question, I didn't really want to receive the answer. In this particular case, when we look in at Jesus' life here, so often I think it's safe to say that we often ask the question really not wanting to hear the answer. See, the question is, when he shows me the way, have I ever really listened? Do I listen? I've got to ask myself that question. We have to make sure that our eyes always are fixed on Jesus. You see, we need to be able to make sure we've done that before the hurdles. We need to do it beforehand, not an afterthought. We need to be proactive, not reactive. Jesus is waiting for us. Why are we holding back? Now, it's something that I've wrestled with so often of like, if I'm in, how all in am I? Well, if I'm asking the prayers and I'm questioning things and I'm questioning and the, I'm putting this question to Jesus and he's giving me an answer, I need to be able to accept that answer. Which brings me on to the third point and why it's my third point. Jesus is the truth. This bit I love. I love this part of the verse because it says Jesus said he is the truth. See, it's very safe to say that I have told the truth. 
as I would like to think most of us have. Now, if we put this into context, Pete, did you eat the crisps? Yes. Yes, I probably did eat the crisps. That's because I'm telling the truth. I, wow, congratulations, Pete, I told the truth about something. I ate all the crisps. But you see, to be the truth, that's a different thing. I don't think I can imagine that. To be the truth, to never be misleading, to never be fake, to never ever draw somebody along meaning something else. I would love to think that was me, but I would be lying. But Jesus says, I am the truth. If you look at John chapter one, verse one, in the beginning, there was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. You see, when he says the word, the word has capitals at the beginning. My English teacher would be proud of this. But that means that he's actually staying as a name. Jesus is proclaimed as the word. See, that suggests that he is the beginning and a culmination of all that is true throughout eternity. Let's just think about that. It suggests he's the beginning. He was there at the start. He is now a culmination of all that is true throughout all of eternity. So really, here's the point. If you seek the truth, ultimately, it leads to him. The way. Jesus is our compass. Not only our direction and our path, but Jesus is our compass for right and wrong. If we know that Jesus has done something, we know it's the right thing to do. If Jesus turned against something, or for that matter, didn't do something, then we have to question if it was something that Jesus would view as being the truth. Finally, we've got four. Number four, Jesus is the life. See, Jesus is the spiritual life. He is the spiritual life. Such an incredible idea of that, that he is bringing everything that is life to you. The Greek word zoe for life is mentioned in John more than double the number of times it is in any other book in the New Testament. He speaks about life so often through, the, through this gospel. You see, the Jews were looking for life, but they were looking for a slightly different life. Their life was all about the life they had now and the fact that they, in so many cases, had been robbed of so much. So socially or politically, they were looking for life, their life back. What Jesus is clarifying in the statement is that eyes not need look any further than him. That the life that they truly were looking for was found in him. So he was the life. He was going to give them more than they could ever imagine because they were thinking so tiny. They were thinking so small. They were thinking this world. They were thinking humans here on earth. They were not thinking the big picture. They were not thinking about eternity. See, in a nutshell, this life isn't the big part. And Jesus was trying to show that in this verse. William C. Durant was an incredible man, the founder of General Motors. Started way back at the turn of the last century. 
building automobiles for the masses. An incredible pioneer of automobile construction. Did amazing things. And he built an empire. Huge empire full of, full of incredible factories, employed loads of people, and he lived the life. He built runways for himself. He had air, aircraft at a stage that people didn't really have planes. He had obviously a lot of cars. He had big houses. He loved his life and he worked his socks off from day to end. Now, when we talk about the end, this man who had done so much for the industry died in 1947. That's when he died. But he didn't die before he had an absolute epiphany. When laying on his deathbed, he realized that all of this grandeur, all of this beauty that he had created and the incredible science that he had brought and technology that he had brought into the creation of automobiles wasn't gonna go with him. And he was gonna be leaving that behind. He had spent his whole life concentrating purely on this world and concentrating on his work. He even had really forgotten his family at this point. And the words that left his mouth before he died were, life is short, isn't it? Wow, that picture for me says so much. It points out that this life is short. I'd heard somebody else describe it as the, this life is the starting block of the marathon to the goal of eternal life. What an amazing way of looking at it. This life is such a tiny amount of what the big picture is. Jesus was highlighting that, was saying, I am the life. Stop looking in this world for what you have now because it ain't nothing in comparison to what I have coming. Jesus is saying he is the way to life. Not your cars, not your houses, not your jobs, not your holidays, not even your church buildings. It's Jesus. Jesus is the way to life. It is being completely sure of your faith in Christ and the truth that he has you in his hands and he will always have you. He's the giver of real life. You see, you sitting at home right now, you were perfectly designed you were perfectly designed by God to live. Living the path that was designed for you. This is real life. A cheap copy that the world tells us is real life. Jesus has the life for us to follow. Now just to finish up. What Thomas was told at the Passover meal carries the same weight today as it did back when it was said outside the walls of Jerusalem. Unlike my carriage, full of tools, Jesus is essential, absolutely essential, no gimmick, no heavy advertisement, no waffle. Jesus is complete clarity. Jesus is complete sincerity. He is the complete journey. He is the complete life. And he's the complete destiny for us to spend eternity with him. I'm gonna leave you with this. This essential message was spoken by Jesus to be clear. So how do we follow this today? Number one, do we ask him and allow him to answer? Do we follow his path that he sets out in front of us? 
Number three, do we believe in the life he has given to us? And number four, do we follow his words? I am the way, the truth and the life. These are his words that he spoke to his friend and it has been recorded for us to read too. So let us make this our essential words for us to follow as an essential guide to the most essential 